So you want to watch a movie, but you don't know which. Choosing the one can be a bitch. But Jared and Drew have perfected the art. So sit back, relax, and trust the dark. It's dark for movie night. What's going on, everyone? I'm Drew. And I'm Jared. And welcome to Dartboard Movie Night, the podcast where we put 20 movies on a board, throw a dart at it, and let the fates decide. After covering a classic comedy from our parents' generation last week with Modern Romance, we are jumping up forward in time to discuss one of the biggest comedies and comedic stars of our childhood, Jared. This week we're talking Big Daddy, starring Adam Sandler. What is going on, my friend? Not much, dude. Way to set the table. Beautiful intro. And yeah, this is a big this is a big one. This is a big shamer for us to hit. Well, it's a shamer for you. This is a big one from my childhood. I mean, I've I've seen this movie dozens and dozens of times. Uh, but we'll get to that when we when we get there. For mm-hmm. now, we should talk about the board and where we sit right now. Yeah, go ahead and gloat. Well, no, you've had two of the last three. All right, okay. So I am mounting a comeback. I always forget. I always get fuzzy with the numbers. But. <laughs> But you've, it is still pretty lopsided as far as I, as I, that's what my memory says. Anyway. Yeah, you've, I mean, the overall score right now is 18 to 12 and a half in favor of me. So, mm-hmm. I mean, I've done almost an extra, like third, 33% of what you've right. done. Right. But it, it's still, I guess it is, I mean, it is definitely lopsided, but I'm in striking distance, you know. Hey, it's a, and it's a long road theoretically, so we'll see how things develop. But happy to be. I feel no shame about again. this either because uh, I'm not the one throwing the dart. Yeah, yeah, it's all, this is all self-inflicted dart wounds from on my end here. <laughs> the dart cuts deep. Yep, cuts deep. Lefty, righty, no matter. It's going to be a Drewski. Yeah, well, let's uh, review where the board sits right now. At number one, we've got You Can Count On Me. Number two, Ex Machina. Number three, The Right Stuff. Number four, The Big Sleep. Number five, Operation Condor. Number six, The Sixth Sense. Number seven, Amadeus. Number eight, The Fifth Element. Number nine, Days of Heaven. Number 10, Big Daddy, Tonight's Episode. Number 11, Heathers. Number 12, The Straight Story. Number 13, Thunderbolt and Lightfoot. Number 14, Schindler's List. Number 15, The Friends of Eddie Coyle. Number 16, Conan the Barbarian. Number 17, The Blair Witch Project. Number 18, Waking Life. Number 19, Face Off. And number 20, Kung Fu Hustle. That is the board as it sits right now. We'll be replacing number 10 later tonight. Uh, I believe it's my week this week, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, but we'll get to that when we get there. For now, let's uh, let's get into Big Daddy a little bit. You want to give us a streaming check there, Jared? Yeah. So I've noticed when I when I like Google it, it's always wrong. But I know from personal experience, at time of recording, it was fully available with subscription to Netflix, and I believe it was Hulu was the other one. There was a second one. Hulu. Uh, I don't know if Hulu has it. I I, I it I am ninety nine percent sure it doesn't. Oh, okay. Well, that maybe it might have been Prime or, but certainly Netflix. Netflix for sure. If and we like were Drew good at our jobs, was, we would review this before we jumped on air. <laughs> yeah, no, but but we're, we're loose. <laughs> we're we're loose gooses. Um, yeah, it's but it was like you said, man. It's a colossal movie. This is not going to be hard to find, mm. but certainly Netflix and I think a couple other places too. Absolutely, it was one of the biggest movies of the year that it came out, nineteen ninety nine. But uh, yeah. Let's let's talk a little bit about why you put this on the board. This was one of your selections. I mean, I've as I said, I've seen this dozens and dozens of times. So there was no way I was putting this on the board. But this is a big shamer for you. Huge shamer. 
I don't know if it was just one of those movies that I didn't watch with friends. Like a lot of times, like uh, shared comedies, especially around that age, like late 90s, early 2000s, it was kind of more like sleepovers and hanging out and like watching comedies. And that was one that just never was there. And my parents certainly weren't like my family wasn't like super interested in in Happy Gilmore. I was sorry, was super interested in Adam Sandler. But I remember like a friend of mine introducing me to Happy Gilmore and being blown away. It holds up. It holds up so well. Um, I actually think it's in like a top five comedy of all time for me. I just laugh even today. I mean, I guess I haven't seen it probably like four or five years. But even as an adult, it just makes me laugh. That movie has is stuffed with with big laughs for me. Um, but Big Daddy somehow was one that just slipped through. And I never, I just never had an interest in pursuing it and never really had an opportunity. I mean, I guess I always had an opportunity, but a chance to see it never presented itself to me. Um, so I, I certainly didn't avoid it, but I didn't seek it out. And a lot of my friends talk about it a lot, like my Atlanta friends. So I was like, I got to see this movie. Let's put it up on the board. Like, this is the perfect time to do it. That's interesting. What context did they bring it up in? Like, what, how yeah. does it come into conversation? Well, my buddy Adam fairly frequently quote, quotes the Rumpelstiltskin joke. <laughs> and I've always just been out of the loop on what that means. Rumpelstiltskin <laughs> is a good man. Yeah, so he's, he's, I've heard him say that at least three times. And I've always thought, like, I don't really understand the context of this. Like, oh, Big Daddy. <laughs> Never saw it. And then, you know, I get the faces. We all get the shamer face when you tell someone whatever your movies are that are shamers. You haven't seen what, what, what? You got to deal with that. I get that, too, with um, Wayne's World, which is another one someday I'm going to throw on the board. But uh, we're all, I'm sure, familiar with the shamer face. For sure. No, I definitely know exactly what you're talking about. I get it about mm -hmm. some other stuff. But, um, yeah, it's interesting. I mean... How old do you think you were when you saw Happy Gilmore? I was in middle school or maybe early high school. So this would have oh, been... Oh, okay. So pretty late then. Pretty late, yeah. So this... Because, I mean, I had a pretty religious upbringing. And then um, it wasn't until like fourth or fifth grade that I entered um, public school systems. And before that was just, you know, kind of private schools and things like that. And that's when you know, kind of my family's culture started loosening around being strict about like what the children watch and things like that. I mean, I was in fifth grade at the time, but so that's when I started getting introduced to things in the broader culture. So I came to a lot of this stuff late, you know, like Jim Carrey and, and things like that. I didn't see the mask until pretty late. I didn't see Ace Ventura till later, you know? And so all these things came to me on sort of a delayed fuse and this was one that still never really came came through as as mentioned, but well, with that being said, your first time viewing it, I mean, you're much older at this point than I feel <laughs> like is the prime age for watching this, but how did you feel about it? Well, I think I kind of want to talk about this with you because it's an interesting element of childhood-based shamers where like you're kind of you're kind of you're seeing it through adult eyes only so you don't have that original like love for it like another another fairly recent shamer that way before we started the show that i crossed off the list the sandlot mm. i had never seen that and some of my friends were like you haven't seen it we have to watch it and i enjoyed it like it was a solid movie but it's just like eh, yeah pretty good 
and everyone was it's just like, movie. you know, howling during the movie. But I don't have that that childhood connection with this film, you know. So it's kind of like you're sort of wrestling with other people's like beloved childhood memories if you just kind of go are like indifferent to it, you know. And another one was The Goonies. I didn't mm. see that till I was like 22 or 23. I still haven't seen that. Oh, okay. And I, I mean, my experience with it was like, yeah, it's, it's okay. And then it was like, isn't it just, just the greatest thing? It's like, eh, it's not really. And I'm wondering, I'm sure I'd feel the same way if someone saw one of like a movie I loved as a kid or whatever and was just poking holes in it. I'd be like, don't be a dick. It's a great movie. Shut up. <laughs> so with all that said, I'm going to be kind of the dick sort of poking holes a little bit. Like, I, I thought this movie was just okay. Like, yeah, it wasn't, that's wasn't terrible or anything. Like, it wasn't. I mean, uh, I think I agree g- generally with you. So you're. Yeah. it's not going to be super contentious, yeah. I don't think. Yeah, it was just like a solid movie. Um, I liked it. But for me, it is nowhere in the league of something like Happy Gilmore. Like, and, and was actually different than what I was expecting, too. It was going for more of like an emotional core and not laugh out loud as much, which I can respect and I can really like. Which I definitely want to talk a lot more about when we start talking about Sandler generally. Mm-hmm. But yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was um, It's like, oh, this isn't going for absurd howly b- belly laughs. This is a, you know, a film about maturity and growth and, and fatherhood and, and facing life and all these different things. Um, so it was just operating on a different frequency than I was expecting. Mm-hmm. I still, I still again liked it and there were specific like performances and, and seeing certain people that I really loved and it was very much an enjoyable experience. But I think I probably only laugh out, la- laughed out loud like three times, four times. It doesn't mean it's bad. It's just not quite what I was expecting. Yeah. I mean, I think Sandler specifically his like nineties output is you kind of had to see it at that point time to get the attachment to that that movie Mm -hmm. i guess um it's just it's a thing that i you know i'm a huge adam sandler fan Mm -hmm. but i'm a huge adam sandler fan because i latched onto him when i was a kid um not because like like i think it's it's there's a shallowness maybe to his humor that Mm. I think when you're older and a little more cynical, it's harder to latch on to that and, and yeah. to, to have the same kind of belly laughs that you could, especially yeah. like when this movie was coming out. I mean, this movie was coming out in the Clinton administration when like our parents were fucking riding high, like they were the richest they had ever been after like Reagan and, and Bush and, you know, Clinton. And yeah. like they, I think there was just an energy of, I don't know. It, it, it was a simpler time. Yeah. I guess, and I'm, you know? I'm sure there is, there was a ton of things that were, that felt and were significant issues of strife going on and things like that. But when sure. we look back now, like it does seem like a very positive and carefree time. And I think that's one of the reasons in terms of fashion and style that the nineties has begun. It's creep back into today. I think people are pining for that sort of, more carefree, loose, less intense vibe that existed in the nineties or so it seems at least at a distance. Yeah. And I, I kind of agree. I think his movies function in that silliness in terms of um, maybe a different adjective I would apply to his comedy is maybe be, maybe broad. Like yeah. it's kind of broad comedy. Um, like I still like you love him and I think he's, he's a great, 
great movie star, great comedian, and a great actor. I'm sure we'll get to that stuff when we talk about Sandler in general. Well, let's get into it. I mean, I think this yeah. is the launching point. Why don't you like give me like yeah. any other background on Sandler that we should know about? When I was in, um, I mean, I guess, what's the one where he's the like the deadbeat guy in the pool who needs to go back to school? Billy Madison. Yeah. Yeah, Billy Madison. I saw that when I was probably 14 or so. Really enjoyed it. That one I've kind of kept to the side. I don't revisit it. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it would hold up. Part of me wants to revisit it for the Norm. The Norm bits hold up, and you should watch yeah. it for Norm. And I have a great or a beloved memory of that one scene in that movie where the, <laughs> the woman says to Sandler, like, who would eat? whatever number of child lunches and then it smash cuts to Chris Farley and Norm Macdonald eating all these lunches and Farley is just cackling that was I think the funniest thing in that movie along with Buscemi and I put the lipstick on and that all that sort of goofiness too oh no that's not Buscemi yeah yeah yeah. no it is it is oh it is Buscemi okay cool yeah um those are the things that stand out in my mind um I'm wondering if the movie outside of that holds up. Have you seen it recently? I haven't seen it recently. I mean, I think that is kind of a, a you had to be there thing. But if you that, if it worked for you when you were 14, then it probably would still work for you now. Yeah. And as we... Yeah, because I have that tether. I have that connection. Right. And when you have that connection, you tend to cut a little bit more slack. I did have one I wanted to mention that was an extreme reversal. I may have mentioned this to you in the past, but... And it wasn't like a childhood memory, but I saw very early in college the movie Green Street Hooligans. Have you seen that movie? Yeah, I've seen that movie. Okay. It doesn't hold and up. I just watched it recently. It doesn't hold up. Doesn't hold up at all. No. And I was, I, I mean, I was, I guess, 19 when I saw it. And I was like, this is just the coolest fucking thing, man. What a great movie. Hadn't seen it since then. And I put it on maybe three years ago. And it is an asshole of a movie. It is not good. It's I was real like, bad. holy shit. I, I'm surprised I was so wrong, you know, that relatively later into life, you know? I actually like Charlie Hunnam in that that movie. I think he's he's really good. Um, mm-hmm. And Elijah Wood's fine. But uh, but no, it's a bad movie. Yeah, it's not it's not great. Who's the is that? Who's the guy who is like the rival older person? I don't know, but he's got real good presence, too. He's a good Yeah, he's good. I liked him. And yeah, yeah, you're right. Some of the performances are fine, but I was just... I was just surprised that to have such a reversal on it after, you know, less than, like, 10 years it was at the time, so... But yeah, I think I think if Billy Madison worked for you then, you'd you'd find a lot to enjoy. That movie still is very (laughs) funny, I think. But, um... Yeah, yeah, I, I mean, I watched The Waterboy recently. Like, it's not a good movie, but I, I really love it for my childhood, you know, just, just makes you laugh. It just makes me laugh. Yeah. It just brings yeah. me back to a simpler time. Like I said, yeah. um, well, I guess, I mean, I'll, I'll give you my background on, on yeah, Sandler. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was a massive, massive Sandler fan growing up. I saw happy Gilmore for the first time. I want to say it was like probably 1998. My dad got it on VHS, uh, when we were at the beach one year, there was like a mm-hmm. rainy day. And the adults wanted to watch a golf movie because we have a annual tradition at my family beach trip of playing a golf tournament with everyone in my family playing. Um, And it's, you know, got all this lore built up behind it, you know, over the years. But there, you know, anyway, point being, we're in a golf mode when we're down there. So my dad rented Happy Gilmore and Tin Cup that time. 
with uh, Tin Cup with Kevin Costner and Rene Russo, I think. Uh, golf movie, you know, it's okay. Mm-hmm. But I remember watching at least parts of Happy Gilmore. I think my mom was like shielding me from it a little bit. Mm-hmm. And I remember thinking it was like one of the funniest things I, I had ever seen. <laughs> and then shortly thereafter, I distinctly remember my dad letting me watch it and being like, don't tell your mom. Mm-hmm. And watching it and just being like, this is the fucking best. I just mm-hmm. like, it was the first time I had seen like a quote unquote raunchy comedy, you know, at the time. Mm-hmm. It was the closest thing that I had seen to, you know, your caddy shacks of the world you're like super you know it it wasn't r-rated so it was it was better for me as an eight or nine year old uh but it definitely had an element of that that felt a little scandalous to me you know yeah of course yeah yeah they make there's jokes like you know with the i think in the beginning of the film with like the uh you know the whole call box gag Mm -hmm. and that older woman comes up and she's there in the morning you know that's like when you're a kid, you're like, oh, these are like these are this is a raunchy comedy. You don't yeah. know that word, but that's how it feels. Yeah. So that was that was my indoctrination. And then I I'm pretty sure I saw this one in the theaters pretty shortly after that. Mm-hmm. And so this was like my second Sandler movie, essentially. And it always connected with me. I, I remember like I, I, I like had an emotional connection with this. I don't know, like something about like when when you get separated from the kid, like I, I remember like as a kid being like, oh, this is actually like dramatic and, and interesting. Like I, I like this. Like, um, so, you know, it's a movie that I have a lot of affection for. I've watched it probably 20 times over the course of my life, if not more. Mm. Um, it's just a movie that has been a part of my life. And, um, I've always been a big Sandler fan. Like I got into like his SNL bits. Like I got the best of Sandler DVD on SNL and mm-hmm. it was just the best like opera man and fucking canteen boy and all these stupid ass bits from this era where lunch, they had no idea lady. what to do. They lunch ladies were still one of the best the skits wall. I've ever seen. Oh yeah. So funny. Lunch lady land. Did you watch his SNL stuff back in the day? Not when it was on. I, I went through a big SNL phase early, early high school where I got a lot of those DVDs that you're talking about. Mm-hmm. The Mike Myers one, the Will Ferrell one, the Chris Farley one. I was really into, into Farley at the time and still am who doesn't like Chris Farley um but I can't remember if I ever saw the Adam Sandler one he he didn't connect with me as deeply as some of those other SNL guys at the time because I wasn't really on his wavelength in terms of the absurdity I really was drawn to you know the ball of energy that was Chris Farley and Will Ferrell's kind of Mm off-kilterness things like that more appealed to me at the time and things like Opera Man almost seemed like Andy Kaufman-ish and I wasn't really ready to 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 get onto that sort of absurd wavelength. And I think I might like him more now. I've actually never really seen a ton of his stuff. But um but yeah, so I, I'm more familiar with his life outside of SNL, I should say. This might be a stretch, but were you at all a fan of his comedy albums when you were growing um, up? Um I remember certain songs. Hmm. I think that my friends would play and I thought they were pretty funny, but I never, I never owned any of them and I didn't like really dive in and listen to them. I remember his animated Hanukkah movie that came out when we were like in oh, eight so. crazy nights. Yeah. 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 Um, 
so I, I had some interaction with his his musical side, but not a ton, honestly. With, well, with it's not all musical. Like, it's not it, like there's a lot of sketch stuff on oh, his okay. albums as well, which is what I always loved. Like he had like there was a bit. I had a friend when I was living in Cleveland, uh, Matt Finney. I'll shout him out here. Uh, love that kid. Uh, but me and him used to quote these bits back to each other because he was the only guy I had ever met that I that. I shared a past of like obsessing over Adam Sandler CDs on, mm-hmm. but he had a, like a bit, uh, toll booth Willie, which is just this like Massachusetts toll booth operator who just <laughs> like gets in fights with customers every time they come through his, his line. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I, I want to say there was a connection between toll booth Willie into this, this character, like the toll booth. Oh, element. right. With the toll booth. <laughs> yeah. Why not? I buy uh, that. There's definitely I saw in the trailer for this movie. There definitely was a deleted scene where he picks a fight with a customer in line. So I mean, there's definitely a connection there. But I highly recommend people go back and listen to some of that stuff. Some of that stuff is fucking hilarious. Like the goat is is hysterical. Um, I don't know. There's just some there's just some really amazing bits on those CDs, and it's been forever since I've dove back into those, and I'd I'd like to to check them out again. I'm kind of surprised that that very specific form of comedy isn't making a bigger comeback right now in like things like the podcast realm. I mean, you know a ton of podcasts. You you show me a lot of them. And I think more recently you had turned me on to Bananas for Bonanza, <laughs> really funny comedy, almost like improv. Did you sketch. keep listening to that too? I haven't listened to it like since that trip, but I really responded to it and thought it was oh, really yeah. funny. But I haven't like con- carried on with it, you know. I, I, sure. I I'll get back to that, and I'll be in, I'll be into it. But it's not often that like people these days are releasing like audio sketch comedy records. Like Norm Macdonald did one like back in the day. That's like sketches and stuff, not stand up. Mm-hmm. And I I'd like to see more of that. I think that would be kind of cool. And again, particularly with how popular podcasts are nowadays, I'd, I'd be really down. And maybe they're out there, and I just haven't heard of them. But I'm gonna I'm gonna send you some of my favorites, and uh, I want you to listen to them and see if you think they're still funny. Some of the Sandler ones. Yeah, not, I mean, perfect, obviously perfect, not perfect, on perfect. air, but uh, but later. Yeah, yeah. No, I was gonna ask you, like, at the end of this, send me some of your favorites, and and you know, I'm, I'm not gonna. I, I know they're, they're they might be cheesy, but maybe they'll hold up too. I mean, it's, you know. it's his broad humor. Like, you know, if you go in assuming that it's going to be like that, like you're, you're fine. Well, how about that great bit at the beginning? If anyone out there has seen movie Funny People, that movie opens with like home video real footage of when Judd Apatow and Adam Sandler lived together before they were anybody. And they used to do a lot of prank calls and Sandler to just did this amazing prank phone call that Apatow, I think, just filmed. And uh, it's just a really heartwarming thing to see somehow. And I love that he put that in that movie. I absolutely loved it. He needed something at the beginning of that movie to establish that Sandler at one point was a young, impressionable kid who like was innocent and and didn't have all these, you know, complexities of being a major celebrity and like you know, right. he, he wanted to show that this character at one point was a real person. And yeah. what better way to do that than footage like that? I mean, it's it's the most human thing you could capture because it's not something you could ever replicate in a studio. Yeah, it's like it's you start off as just this person who likes comedy, this goofy person. I think you're so right. And then we just see him deep in the bowels of his fame. He just gets sucked into this kind of crazy lifestyle. 
yeah, it kind of grounds you with that intro. This was once just a normal everyday person mm-hmm. that no, nobody knew who he was. That's true for Sandler and Apatow in real life now, you know. It's interesting you you bring that up because I think one of the reasons that this movie fascinates me is that we we bring him up all the time, but P.T. Anderson is a massive fan of this movie. He has brought it up specifically as like his favorite Sandler movie Big on Daddy. multiple podcasts and like, yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. He, I think that this movie, it's the first time that he's played a character that is complicated, I feel like, and has like, you know, Happy Gilmore feels like a real person in some ways, but that there's not an arc there of like him, mm-hmm. you know, changing over the course of that movie really like it's it's he's still the same angry guy at the end he just has a girlfriend and he's learned to be yeah. more zen about his golf yeah playing. he's got he's got a little arc but i get what you're saying he's still pretty cartoonish in that film and, right. and we both were praising it highly we both love that movie but yeah he's still a little amplified maybe not to the extent of something like Waterboy or little nicky but he still is 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 projecting to the back you know, back of the room, so to speak. Yeah. And I think this movie is in that way, the launching pad for his dramatic turns. I mean, Mm. this is, this is coming out in 1999, right, right around the time. I know that, uh, Paul Thomas Anderson said he visited Adam Sandler for the first time on the little Nikki set after he saw big daddy. And he was like, I want to talk to this guy, see if he has something, you know, he wants to do. And, um, apparently Quentin Tarantino was on set at the same time and he was at the time writing Inglorious Bastards and was wanting Sandler to come do a part on that. So Tarantino was like, wait, you're trying to beat me to the punch of getting this guy in a dramatic role? Fuck <laughs> yeah, off. What are you, what are you doing? Here? Like they're just both like sniffing around and they're just like, yeah. wait a minute. What do you, what, get out of here. Wait, what, wait, this what is are my you guy. doing here? No, 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 no. And then, of course, Anderson beats him to the punch with Punch Drunk Love in 2002. Yeah, by like by like five, six years. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, and, and he didn't end up being in Inglorious Bastards, unfortunately. We unfortunately got Eli Roth, who is a huge fucking downgrade. Yeah, I was, I was going to guess if that was the character he was going to mm-hmm. play. The Bear Jew. The Bear Jew. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, that would have been interesting to see. Another good alternate universe one. But still, I mean, he's had a good little kind of run of dramatic stuff over the years. I mean, it's it's more rare than maybe I would like, but it seems like nowadays he's he's back in the mode of wanting to do that, which is great. Uh, I mean, I, yeah. Sandler, I think, like, this movie with anyone else playing his character in this movie, I mean, not that they would, it was made for Sandler, but mm-hmm. just thinking in a hypothetical universe where he is not playing this character, I don't know if anyone else could have humanized this character and made them seem sympathetic when they essentially like abducted a child, you know, yeah. like you buy into this movie, even if it's on just a very small level, um, if you like this movie at all, you're buying into it because Sandler is charming. Yeah. And his interaction with the kid is so positive right out of the gate, with the exceptions of like, well, you know, negative in some ways, but yeah, and, and stuff <laughs> like that. Like, that's not great parenting, but like it really early on or teaching you your kid to trip a, rollerbladers with with uh, sticks. Uh, yeah, <laughs> that was one of the laugh out loud moments for sure for me. Um, but you we God I mean, the damn sticks. Is, <laughs> 
the premise is so is so stupid, but we kind of zing. I zinged by it a little bit just by uh, the charm of the relationship. Sure, was like you know even though he was so wayward in his parenting style, it was clear that he uh, he cared for this kid quickly, and 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 was kind of out for their best interests. You know, even in a kind of a warped way of like no rules and all that sort of part of the film. But that that relationship seemed genuine to me. And that's what kind of sold me on the movie, despite the absurdity of like someone not needing to show ID to adopt a child, and just claiming to be somebody else and all that stuff. And I mean, obviously, at this point in his career, Sandler had has had often played the sort of downtrodden loser like Billy Madison and to some degree, Happy, Happy Gilmore. But here it was kind of softened with the fact that this person was actually super intelligent but it was more just laziness it wasn't um or maybe apathy is a better word like they kind of recognized on some degree that they were selling themselves short but they were content in their lifestyle whereas the other two movies i'm comparing to he seemed a little more delusional in those Mm -hmm. um so th- that was a really cool twist on this guy. No, I mean, I think, he's I think intelligent. I think as I was saying with this being kind of the first foray and doing to, doing some dramatic stuff for Sandler, I think it's also the first movie of his um, that feels like it's about something. Like this movie is about fathers and sons and the way that, you know, those relationship can can affect us negatively. And like, it, you know, you really get the sense in this movie that this character was at one point on a really great trajectory in life and mm-hmm. his dad pushed him over the edge and and drove him nuts and he's rebelled and this was this is him being a man child rebelling against his father right um, right and the the arc of the movie is him coming to terms with that and saying no like i understand what you were going through as a dad now mm-hmm. you know watching my kid struggle in school and like you know because of choices that i'm making and like affecting his you know him as a a kid um i'm seeing now why how it was so hard for you um and why you feel this this intense like controlling uh uh, right in, in you know impulse i guess yeah so no that's a great point so the movie is in some ways kind of saying like you understand the difficulties of of fatherhood and you could go easier on you know whatever your relationship with your father may be, if you if you kind of walk through the flames yourself at some point, maybe well, say yeah. something like that, or you at least get a better perspective on it. Yeah, well, and and the speech that he gives when he's on the stand and his dad is cross examining him at the end of the movie, which Ridiculous, maybe the by the, the way. most all time worst <laughs> depiction of a courtroom in any movie. Dude, this sad. Uh, that is that scene is so bad, but. But lovely, you know, but it's so silly, right? I mean, it's it's a vehicle to deliver these emotional yeah. beats that he wants to hit. But the speech that Sandler is giving back to his dad, where he's saying it's okay, like I get why you feel this way, and he he recognizes like this person, you know, for what he is, and he says, but I also see things now, like I see you coming up to help me because you're like worried about me. And like mm-hmm. that means something, you know, mm-hmm. and it's like he would not have recognized that at the beginning of this movie. I don't know. There's like there's a real there, you know, say what you will about how they get to those points and like the the methods. I mean, because it like you said, it is broad in mm-hmm. so many senses of that word. But mm-hmm. I think what it's getting to is actually like 
it it's kind of touching. It's kind of sweet. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's that courtroom scene is like eye rolling to the max, you know? And I'm I'm wondering if it's a, if it's among the most unrealistic courtroom scenes I've ever I've ever seen in a comedy. Like other ones that come to mind are like Liar Liar and Deuce Bigelow, Male Gigolo. <laughs> um, but um, no coincidence that, that they're both comedies from the late 90s. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. But despite the eye roll and the, the kind of the, the gaggery going on, it, there is charm to it. And it is it is uh, it is kind of a, a, a dumb but very sweet scene. I liked it. Yeah, I, I think it, I think that ultimately is what works about this movie one of my favorite components about filmmaking and this kind of goes all the way back to the beginning is the way it can really beautifully capture a time and like what's going on culturally in any certain society or culture or whatever you get a really rich impression of life at that time and i think one of my favorite examples of that is a movie like something wild like that movie is set in the mid 80s and it really through its use of music, fashion, hairstyle, color, automobile mm. choice, variety of things, cultural energy and vi- vibe in the country that surrounds it. Like you just get a really strong sense of what life was like then. And this movie, I think in a sneaky way, does the same thing. That sort of time capsule nature of it where you really feel like you get a strong impression for what was going on in culture around 1998, 1999? Well, I think the time capsule nature of it kind of leads a little bit into the cast, given that John Stewart was kind of, this was prime John Stewart era, and he's a co-star in this movie. Dude, he how handsome is he in this movie? By the way? <laughs> John Stewart looks amazing. In I don't know film. if that was my takeaway, but uh, but I mean, yeah. And that's it's one of the I can't think of. I'm sure he did them, but I don't remember him being in a movie. No, like he, like this. He basically didn't do much beyond this. I mean, the context on on Stewart at the time was he had had some talk shows on, I want to say Comedy Central or like MTV or something at the time, like in the 90s. And he was like a hip up and coming comedian that fit the bill for like talk show material, right? Mm-hmm. So like he was being tipped a lot to be a replacement for uh, you know, or, or not a replacement for a competitor to like the Letterman's and the, the Jay Leno's of the world. Mm-hmm. To the point where the Larry Sanders show had an ongoing bit where Stewart was playing himself and was the, the interim host for, for Gary Shandling whenever he would be out. Mm-hmm. And um, that he was like, you know, he, he was young and hip and was, was taking away Larry Sanders' audience, basically. I got to see those. I've never got that far in the series. I got to see those episodes. Yeah. Simultaneous to this, Craig Kilborn has The Daily Show on Comedy Comedy Central. <laughs> and it's not going great. It's just not not building an audience. Kilborn kind of has an off-putting attitude that people don't really latch on to. So 1999, not only is this the year of Big Daddy, it's also the year that Jon Stewart is taking over The Daily Show. Mm-hmm. And it's this is the beginning of, of his reign of, of dominance over essentially the whole late night political discourse of the next decade, basically. 
want to give one retraction here. He actually started on The Daily Show in 1996, but 99 was kind of where he took over the writer's room and it became the show that, that gotcha. you know, we, we gotcha. know and love. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's, uh, it's interesting to catch him in this movie because like you said, like he's not, he doesn't act a lot before yeah. or after this. I mean, he's in Death to Smoochie. I think that's the only other mm-hmm. thing I can really think of that he uh, at least had a, a co-starring or, or side right. role. That's right, Death to Smoochie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, you know, it's funny because I did my typical thing. Like, I tried to avoid information, which is silly to even say about a movie so popular and so well-known. You'd think it might be something like an E.T. situation where I would just be worried about uh, having all these things spoiled for me or or whatever. Um, but it really wasn't that. The only thing I really knew about this movie was Rumpelstiltskin. <laughs> it was some joke involved in the movie at some point. Mm-hmm. And the poster. I feel like the poster is incredibly I- iconic. and Or, you know, whatever you'd call it. DVD jacket. It's VHS a great case, poster. Whatever. Great poster. Something about it really works. Like, it's it. even having never seen the movie, it totally stuck with me. And I could conjure it up at any moment. Um, so there, it's got something going on. It's really simple, but it works. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's kind of setting up the whole story within that one image. It's just the two of them peeing on the wall. And it's like, this guy is big daddy. He's watching over this kid and he's teaching him like really bad habits. That that's kind of the setup for the whole joke of the movie. Yeah. What else you got to know? And it's maybe more movie posters should kind of take a page out of this playbook. It's like, maybe what you do is you just take a frame out of the film and throw the name on it and just try to find a frame that seems to describe the movie well and just make that the poster as opposed to all these kind of goofy arts of people growing out of stems on branches and leaves and they're all connected. It's like, can't we, maybe you just do a frame of the movie. <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah. Uh, Over, don't anyway. overthink it. Don't overthink it. Don't overthink it. But, but all that, all that is to say, uh, I had no idea about the cast outside of Adam Sandler going into this. So it was a really pleasant surprise to see John Stewart walk into the frame. I was like, holy shit, young John Stewart. I didn't even know he acted, yada, yada. Um, and, you know, solid. It wasn't the greatest pop performance I've ever seen. Nothing bad about it either. Like, he did he did his job, and I enjoyed seeing him on screen is how I felt about it. Yeah, I mean, he's... I think he's a bad actor, but mm-hmm. I think he's fine in this movie. He, he gets yeah. the job done for what he needs to do. Mm-hmm. Um I don't know. He he's just the first one I wanted to talk about because John Stewart is awesome. Yeah, I have such fond memories of The Daily Show back in the day. It was yeah, it uh, was such a big part so, of my childhood. It was so tapped into our generation. Like it was the only one I really made an effort to watch consistently, and I always felt kind of bad because when I went to college, I kind of uh, just dropped away from it, mm-hmm. and and especially as as his retirement from the show was known and. I really wish I had spent some more time with it then because it really was, it, it meant a lot to me over mm-hmm. the, you know, throughout high school. It was just such a great show. And I really respect what he's uh, trying to get accomplished in his life now. Like I tend to uh, agree with a lot of his opinions um, and he just strikes me as a very uh, thoughtful and genuine person. And I, I, I generally like to hear his thoughts on certain things. Oftentimes from... You know, philosophically, I disagree, but I I really value and respect it. And he seems like he's really trying to to have a positive impact on the country, and mm-hmm. I I really appreciate that. Definitely. Well, I do. You know, you brought up the poster, and I think 
we should talk about the other person on that poster, or people, mm-hmm. I should say, uh, which are Dylan and Cole Sprouse, the twins that played Julian. <laughs> Frankenstein or Julian, whatever, you take your pick. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, so Cole and Dylan Sprouse are really interesting in that after this, about six years after this movie came out, they had a sitcom on Disney Channel for a number of years called The Sweet Life with Zach and Cody that was a huge hit. That was past my time of watching Disney Channel. It was when I was in high school. Oh, dude, I think I remember my cousins watching that shit. Yeah, but they, I mean, they had that, so they they did really well off of that. And then Cole Sprouse has continued acting and was the star, uh, or still is the star, I think, of Riverdale, which is a huge show on the CW, kind of a tween-type show that uh, is... Yeah, he he plays Jughead Jones. He's like the main character in it. Mm. I didn't know that it was a twin performance until you brought it up. Yeah, I uh, they if there were any seams or lines to see there, I, they were covered really well. I didn't, I never noticed the swap. Yeah, exactly. I mean, well, they're identical twins, so I yeah. you know it'd be hard to pick out. But well, um, the, the the makeup team and the hairstylist did a great job because they, they really sure matched did. those haircuts well. They sure did. But I mean, what do you think of their performance in the movie? Really good. It's really good, really, right? Really, really, really good. Um, you know, I'm normally pretty, like, meh about ch- when a movie is about, like, kids or children. I get kind of nervous about, like, ah, this person's not a good actor. Like, it's just, it's not going to work. And I'm going to be in this awkward position of, like, insulting a kid acting. But this is just, like, fantastic. Like, he's really a they, I should say, the, the kids. Are both really natural on screen, charismatic. Uh, they're very cute. Like I kind of, I, t- I tend to not like when like movies really try to slam dunk like a, a kid's cuteness on you, and just they do it too much. It's just like ugh. But this movie kind of pulls it off. I think it creeps me the fuck out when a movie makes a kid talk like an adult, and they let mm-hmm. this this kid be a kid which is what Mm -hmm. I really appreciate. I think it's a horrible tendency in Hollywood that it's like, oh, we've got a kid character. We got to make them wise beyond their years. You know, we've got to make them like this quirky kid who's going to tell the the adults off. And it's like, Mm -hmm. just let them be a kid. Like, and and in this movie, this kid gets to be a kid. And I think like all of the emotional moments resonate because of that. Yeah. Because you, because he's so vulnerable. Absolutely. And it's, and he's just, really good he delivers his lines well he doesn't seem conscious at all of the camera being there or anything like that any of the stuff that's going around Sandler works really well with him and it does have that sort of interesting relation with E.T. a shamer we've covered on the the show before that one being a mutual shamer but both being films that have really strong uh, kid performances and this is definitely in that league in that pantheon and who directed this film, by the way? I, I don't have it right in front of me. So this is Dennis Dugan, who is a frequent Sandler collaborator. He okay. directed uh, Happy Gilmore before this. Oh, okay, great. So he also he has directed a bunch of Sandler stuff recently as well. Um, but yeah, like Grown Ups or whatever. Yeah, he did like both that. the Grown Ups movies. I think he did uh, You Don't Mess with the Zohan. Mm-hmm. He, yeah, so he's done a bunch. Yeah, really, really strong performance. I was impressed and charmed, and particularly that. I mean, this is more from the writing perspective. That bit about the glasses is just so cute and charming. Mm-hmm. And it's like a great idea, <laughs> like parenting and in film. It's just like, oh, that's just a really sweet, tender kind of 
joke that runs through the movie, but it's it's really heartwarming in a way. No, I mean, I'm glad you brought that up because, I mean, they thread that in very early and then they bring it back in the courtroom scene to give mm-hmm. him the the confidence to speak out and, you know, say say what he needs to say. So, like, mm-hmm. I think, like, the, it's, a, it's a really nice little element. I'm glad you pointed it out. Mm. Yeah, so super impressed with with those kids and thought they did a great job. And like I said, didn't even know they were twins. Yeah. Well, I think we also need to mention here uh, Joey Lauren Adams. She's the female love interest in this movie. She had just had a big breakout. I mean, maybe not a breakout performance because she had been in Dazed and Confused a number of years before. She was in, um, you know, some stuff when she was younger. But her huge breakout performance was Chasing Amy, the Kevin Smith film with her and Ben Affleck. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know how well that movie holds up. I remember watching it in college and enjoying it, and she is phenomenal in it. What do you think of her in this? Solid. Kind of similar to how I felt about the John Stewart performance. Like a true classic supporting role. Like she's charming, career-oriented, but not judgmental of people who are not that way. Uh, warm-hearted, sweet. Um you know, a little bit of a cliche from a writing and character development perspective, this busy, busy lady. But um, at least they softened it with, with someone with really warm heart and stuff like that. So I did feel like the character was kind of thin. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's not to say anything of the performance. Like, she, she never hit really bad notes. She was also really good with the kid actors. And I yeah. thought she did a great job. How do you feel about the performance of her overall? I think it's it's an incredibly underwritten part. I wish she had yeah. a lot more to do, but yeah, I think with what she gets, she's she's great. And um, I think specifically the scene that I really enjoy is where they're telling Julian a bedtime story, and kind of the subtext yeah. is is the flirt flirtation. Um, yeah, the that's, that scene and the works, and I think, and I think that that works because she and Sandler have really good chemistry. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the whole like scuba. T- scuba steve smooch mm-hmm. and that coming back around sandler kind of using that later on like that's all that's all sweet it all works for me yeah, and uh, for sure again that was a really big surprise going into this movie i thought it was going to be a movie in the energy of happy gilmore Waterboy, and stuff like that and it was going to be going for big big laughs it's not it's not really it's, uh, really unexpected the other female co-star of this movie, Leslie Mann. We got to mention gotta, Leslie Mann. Got to talk about Leslie Mann because she, to me, was legit good. And I always yeah. love seeing Leslie Mann on screen. I actually just recently watched This Is 40 for the first time. Mm-hmm. And uh, I remember that movie coming out and it just getting bashed. And you know, I, I enjoyed it. Not, not not amazing, but it was fine. It was a nice movie. Kind of a similar reaction I had to this movie a little bit. I was just like, yeah. But anyway, so Leslie Mann has been on my mind recently. And <laughs> yeah, she is excellent in this movie. And I love the whole backstory of her working at Hooters and the jokes that they just hammer so over the top with that. I really thought was funny. And uh, so I really dug her performance and the jokes they weaved in it. Um, yeah. And she, she's, she's great in it, I think. What did you think? I love Leslie Mann. Like, even in bad movies, she's always interesting to me. I think she's just mm-hmm. such a talented actor. I, I got introduced to her pretty young. She was the love interest in Georgia the Jungle in 1997 with Brendan Fraser. Mm-hmm. And I watched that movie over and over again on VHS as a kid. Like that was one of our like 
my mom had a, a VHS player in the car that we would, you know, watch when we would go on long road trips. And mm-hmm. that was a in the constant rotation. And uh, yeah, she's really great in that movie. And then she's, uh, like you said, like this movie, I think she's, she's so, so good. And she brings this, um, I don't love the, the kind of, borderline slut shaming jokes about her like Hooters experience, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh I don't know. I like I just it left a bad taste in my mouth. Yeah, her her paying her way through med school. Exactly. Like <laughs> it was just like come on guys, like but and that's I a pro- that's and that's a standard that's problem with like some of these 90s you know, 90s comedies is like a lot of the comedy at that time was at other people's expense, which yeah. doesn't sit well with me anymore. Yeah, yeah, but what I found kind of fun on this view, on this first watch for me, was that like I was totally on her side, like in a modern for sure. context, yeah. and I'm just like, yeah, fuck off. What's wrong with that? So she worked at Hooters, so in, in in a kind of modern way, it made them seem like like jackasses, and it's like all Sandler had to attack this woman with because yeah. she's really successful. You're right. She's pretty sweet, and she's taking her friend from him. And it just, at least some degree, at the very least, her room, his roommate. And it's all he's got is this little silly detail that she worked at Hooters that does not matter. So he's she just harps and harps on it because it's the only way he can get any equal footing with this woman. And I love her performance on the stand. And she's like, how long have you been hating Sonny? Whatever his <laughs> name is. And she's like, since the day I met him. <laughs> so good. Says it with really, such really conviction. Good. Last thing I wanted to mention on the cast is uh, I, I think if we're covering Sandler, we have to talk about his usual cast of characters, which are people Absolutely. like Alan Covert and Peter Dante, like these guys that he brings Rob along. Schneider. Rob <laughs> Schneider. I mean, Buscemi is it to an extent, but he's yep, like, Buscemi he's kind too. of, he's more just a friend that uh, will show up. But like these guys are that I'm mentioning. And, and the reason I want to bring them up is like, they're guys that Sandler is just friends with that he's lifted up over the years and just given work to. And Mm -hmm. it's worth mentioning specifically because Sandler is talked about as being like one of the nicest people in Hollywood. Like everyone loves Sandler. No one has a bad word to say about him because he's Mm -hmm. just a person who takes care of the people around him. And I think that's really cool Mm -hmm. and worth mentioning. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Norm MacDonald always used to talk about it in a very kind of Norm way. Talking about his acting stuff, he's like, yeah, every once in a while, Sandler will throw me a bone. <laughs> like, but yeah, he likes to share his success with other people he loves and finds funny and seems like like excited about doing that. And it seems to me the point he's at in his career, and maybe this started some years ago, is he doesn't seem like he feels a lot of pressure to make a tremendous, amazing movie every time. That's not to say he's not trying. I'm not saying that. But, like, I think he just likes to make movies. He likes to be around people that he likes. Some things in him will, will work. Some of them won't. But it's not like he's not like Orson Welles laboring over this. Like, he just he just pumps them out, and they there's some hits, there's some misses, and he just has fun while he's doing it. And I, I think there's something refreshing about, and again, this is all my perception of it, but something refreshing about someone maybe not taking it so seriously and just having fun with the art form a little bit. I think we could all learn a thing or two from Sandler in that respect, in that like he's found this really nice balance of doing the projects he wants to do. And sometimes he'll challenge himself, but more often than not, it's like, this is a job and like, you know, and, and like 
he will do the things that he finds funny and that, you know, like you said, like hang out with the people he finds enjoyable to hang around. And I think that's a really healthy way to live. (laughs) For sure. You know? Well, another element of, of Sandler's movies is product placement. And I think this movie might have the most of any of his movies, uh, you know, Going to how Sandler makes movies, he really just doesn't give a shit. They're going to give him money that he can then put into the production and they can, you know, do a little product placement and, you know, whatever. It it helps him with the production in some way. And so he seems to have always been okay with having it as a part of his movies. It's kind of annoying, you know, as as a person who uh, has a lot of qualms with capitalism. Uh, But at the same time, like... I don't know. It's it, it in some way is kind of a charming element of his movies. Looking back <laughs> on it, so funny coming from you and and in relation to how I viewed it, it's kind of quaint, you know. I don't know. <laughs> it's funny. I I re- I really bucked to the to the aggressiveness of, yeah. of it. I was just like, oh my god, this is just too much. There's like a three minute McDonald's commercial in the middle of this goddamn movie. I'm just oh, like, yeah. oh my god, guys. Well, somebody got the kid a happy bag. meal. Look how friendly the employee is. I know all this shit. I'm just like, oh my god. And there's another one too, that was particularly egregious, but it's escaping me now. But the McDonald's one was just like, holy crap, guys. Like that's that's out of control. I mean, it's all over this movie. It's SpaghettiOs in the, the aisle of the, mm-hmm. the grocery store. Hooters throughout. Hooters. That's, that's the, uh, that was the other huge one. The Hooters, especially that ending scene. I was yeah. just like, look how much fun they're having at Hooters. And it's like that was like the subtext of that scene is, uh, in a way. I know it's about his growth in the, in the year plus since we last saw him. But still pretty disgusting if you ask me it's definitely over the top and the only reason i don't it doesn't bother me at this point is just because i look at it and i'm like look at what a silly thing they were doing in the 90s with this shit because like i mean don't get me wrong he still does this shit if you haven't seen the dunkachino video with with al pacino doing a a dunkin donuts commercial in jack and jill you should treat yourself to that because it it is one of the most insane things ever put to film but oh yeah it's it's demented, you know. This is just something that's always been a part of his movies, and I don't know. I've just it's one of those things that I for some reason it doesn't bother me, even though it's aggressively yeah. against my my views of the Your world. Beliefs. Yeah, it's funny too. Like it doesn't bother me with Subway and Happy Gilmore because the fact that he sells out in the movie itself, like in character, kind of makes it work a little bit. Where especially when he's just like feels more organic, cheesily cold cut combo, like looking straight into the camera. Like um, it doesn't bother me there. But this one, it was really it was really getting to me. And even that he's always drinking Pepsi, which that's normal. But I will say this in their defense. I believe when he offers the kid a soda at the bar, he just says like root beer or or soda so they had an, a brand name opportunity and they chose not to do one they kept the generic so there was one they didn't cash in on speaking of the bar scene did you know that the waitress that talks to uh julian at the bar is adam sandler's wife no i did not know that yeah that's i great. don't know if they met on this set i think this was the first time she showed up in one of his movies but she's had a cameo in most of his movies since then mm-hmm. um they were just dating at the time and then they got married in like 2002 2003 well, while we're talking about that bar scene, I want to give a shout out to whoever played the old man. <laughs> Mr. Dude, Hurley. He is, he is so funny. Like, 
the way he's always challenging Sandler to fights. Yeah. And he, like, he was cracking me up, man. That was, he was one of the biggest source of laughs in the film for me, like when he, whether he was on the stand or whatever. Any final notes you want to bring up about this movie? As always in a Sandler film, Steve Buscemi just made me laugh. He often has that effect. Like he's, he's, he's not doing anything too big. Like a lot of times his characters have like really quirky attributes, like whether it's crazy eyes and Mr. Deeds or like him being this kind of uh, strange vagrant in this movie. He's, he's great in these. And I, I was charmed by him once again. I also I wanted to give a shout out here to the use of the far side at the beginning of this movie, because I think this movie was my introduction to the far side, which is one of my all time favorite rap groups. Have you ever listened to them? No, I don't think so. I did recognize I, I vaguely recognized the song, I think. Yeah, it's passing me by by the far side. Everyone should go check out the far side. Go look at Spike Jones directed a bunch of their music videos back in the 90s. The, mm-hmm. the music video for their song Drop is one of my favorites ever. Oh, dude, that was while you're talking about the far side and the, the score in general for this film. Uh, not the score, I guess, the musical choices. Mm-hmm. Very also much in line with that whole time capsule idea. Definitely. Like the, 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 the soundtrack to this movie is very of its time. And for me, that was a positive. Like, just it just felt like late 90s. Like, the Sweet Child of Mine cover. I don't know if that's because they couldn't afford the full one or if they just wanted this sort of more 90s-ish, almost like Sheryl Crow style version. Uh, but it worked. I dug it. I dug the soundtrack. And that I'm going to check out that the far side specifically because I'm sure they're dope. Just to kind of put a button on my thoughts, like in in some way it didn't quite live up to the hype I was expecting, but maybe it's just because what I thought I was going to get was a, a cackling howler and it's not really going for that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I overall liked it without having that childhood connection and stuff to it. I don't think I loved it, but uh, let me ask you this real quick. When was the last time you saw it, do you think, before, before this week? Uh, probably five or six years. I mean, it's been a little while. How was it? Uh, how was it this time around? I I mean I really enjoyed it. I think like there's there's definitely stuff that doesn't hold up. I don't really love that there's a lot of like sight gags of just like fat people and stuff that are meant to be funny. Like I think like <laughs> yeah. that's that's a little bad taste at this point. But you know some of that doesn't hold up. But I think overall I you know there's just it's imprinted on my brain in such a way that I chuckle at things that if I heard today for the first time, I might not otherwise. It's just one of those things like we're saying. Yeah. One thing that didn't really hold up for me was like, uh, that one friend who couldn't really accept or understand the gay guys was kind of like, that is a little like, eh, what is that providing to the movie? I agree with you completely. Um, that didn't work, but I did think it was fairly progressive that, Sandler's character who's in a lot of ways portrayed as a buffoon is also the guy who's like they're just our friends they're just gay yeah. you know and, and now there's like nothing different it's like yeah, I, I like that the main character the one that you're supposed to be sympathizing with is the one that's taking that stance yeah like people like they're they're constantly I mean Sandler is quick to defend them of course and this and you know who they are and everything and all of that stuff but I don't know if maybe it was just Culturally, at the time, the filmmakers or maybe the people paying for it felt they needed to have a voice in the film that thought it was strange yeah. to make the audience feel okay, or if they were trying 
more artistically to say something about people stuck in that mentality. Yeah. So again, I don't, it didn't ruin the movie or taint it or anything, but, no, it, but it, it's was, a, it was a little something that I was like, I don't know if that adds anything at all. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's the thing that I have a problem with in all of these kind of nineties comedies is the otherizing of people. Ebert even like I was reading Roger Ebert's review of this movie and he hated this movie when it came out. Um, but he calls that out specifically. He mentions that those two characters, every time they're on screen, the movie has to make a point of having them like kiss on screen. Like, Oh look, look, they're kissing. It's two guys kissing, you know? And it's like, it, yeah, that just is like, it's offensive. It sounds like this movie was trashed by critics. Like I think it has like on just most Netflix, of his movies were. Yeah, I mean on Netflix on like uh the the star rating which is just like users I think. It's got like one star. But it's fa- but I love that like hmm. you know a filmmaker like PTA can really find something to love and admire in this movie and um there was definitely a lot of charm to it to me. So add it to the list of like, yeah, critics sometimes just don't really know what they're talking about. I think when it comes to comedy, it's all in the eye of the beholder and critics are never going to, it's so specific, like what your taste is in comedy that Mm -hmm. trusting a critic on that is almost like you're, you're just looking in the wrong place. Yeah. And who, yeah, who would ever want to be a critic for comedy? It's like, well, I mean, we just had a whole run that we like in one of the intros recently about Beer Fest, and like <laughs> that movie probably has like a ten percent on Rotten Tomatoes. I don't know what it is. Off yeah, the top yeah, of my yeah. Head, but like that movie got absolutely panned and talked about as a trash movie. But you and I have great memories of that movie. You we know? love it, and I bet the same is true for something like Waiting. You know, for sure. Or like, and, and I love that movie. So fuck off. You know. Yeah, I bet you're right. Like all all generations have their version of this. Well, that'll do it for our episode on Big Daddy here. I think it's time uh, we move on to the board discussion. Hell yeah, dude. So you mentioned it at the top of the episode. It's a Drew addition to the board week. Do you have something in mind? Are you winging it? Do you have contenders? So I'm winging it because I did not do enough prep on this. (laughs) But I think I've got a really good one already. This is 40? No, I'm just kidding. I mean, that would be interesting. Uh, But no, it's not This is 40. It's a movie that I mentioned a few weeks ago as one that I had not seen that I wanted to get on the board at some point. And I feel like now might be the right time. We just watched Mm. a movie from 1999. This movie is also from 1999, which is considered by a lot of people to be one of the best years of all time in terms of the output that year. Matrix was 99, right? Correct. Yeah. It's it's a it's a major year and this is from a major filmmaker that we have already covered on this this podcast, mm. but I just this is going to show a completely different side of this director and uh, I'm I'm really curious to see what it's like. The movie is Steven Soderbergh's The Limey. Okay, okay. I am I am I've never seen it. So I'm it's in? it's starring Terrence Stamp from Last Night in Soho is is the connection, and mm-hmm. we talked about it briefly as like a movie that that he was uh, famous for, and it's it came out in '99. He was already on the older side at that point, and he, mm-hmm. I don't I don't I'm not even going to tell you what it's about. I think it's yeah, like it's it's perfect. just a it's a crime crime perfect. movie is is what I will say, um, and it's also a 90 minute 
movie that I, I love short movies that are just get in, get out, get on with your life kind of things. And this feels like cool. it's going to just be a blast. Dude, I love the choice. And just to be clear, Terrence Stamp plays the older detective. We find out he's a detective in Soho, right? Correct. Like he's the he's the portrayed as sort of a creepy guy, barfly. Correct. Uh, for at least the first half of Soho. Okay, yeah, that guy seems awesome. I've been wanting to see more of his roles since we watched Soho. So I certainly love the choice for that. And when we did Aaron Brockovich, we talked about Soderbergh's insane hot streak at the time and how he was just killing it like on like a Francis Ford Coppola level so I would love to see more of what he was creating at that time I'm, I'm excited by the choice I think it's a really good addition yeah I mean I'll save a lot of the chat about where this falls in in Soderbergh's filmography until then but this is the movie that immediately preceded Aaron Brockovich the following year gotcha so um, yeah, I'm excited to get to it when we get to it, but that is going on the board in place of Big Daddy at number 10. So the board as it sits now with the Limey on it is You Can Count on Me at number one, number two, Ex Machina, number three, The Right Stuff, number four, The Big Sleep, number five, Operation Condor, number six, The Sixth Sense, number seven, Amadeus, number eight, The Fifth Element, number nine, Days of Heaven, number 10, The Limey, number 11, Heathers, number 12, The Straight Story, number 13, Thunderbolt and Lightfoot, number 14, Schindler's List, number 15, The Friends of Eddie Coyle, number 16, Conan the Barbarian, number 17, The Blair Witch Project, number 18, Waking Life, number 19, Face Off, and number 20, Kung Fu Hustle. Hustle. Anything you're hoping for or whatever the dart says? I'll tell you what I actually am rooting for. I'm rooting for a single digit number again this mm. week. We almost had it with 10. That's the closest we've been in a while. It is. All right. All right. Well, we'll see. I'm going to go throw this thing. heard a gigantic sigh i just don't know uh what to do about it it's just not what we were hoping for it's not a lower it's not a lower number hey look the board is going to do what the board's going to do and the board has said 16 we keep going back to 16 <laughs> holy shit what's man. going on that was left hand let, I do not aim. I can't aim with my left hand. I can't do anything with my left. And somehow it keeps bringing us back to the 16. What is 16? Well, the good news is you are continuing your streak. That is good for me. I'm happy to hear that. Number 16 is Conan the Barbarian. Holy shit. Wasn't that added last week? That's correct. That's crazy. Okay. All right. That's a fun one. I mean, I'm still a little annoyed, too, that like hey. we're not doing lower numbers. But that's I'm excited about the choice. I'm totally sorry. Yeah, <laughs> I don't. I don't have a problem with the choice. I'm excited to get to it. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, we're watching 1982's Conan the Barbarian, starring Arnold Schwarzenegger, and we are going to get some Arnold Schwarzenegger talk. We're going to talk 80s action movies. It's going to be fun. We'll be talking cheese. We might have some brutes. Oh, Returning top segment. roots is, we is have a some segment brutes going on from sure. uh, on Her Majesty's Secret Service. So oh yeah, we'll uh, we'll see if we get some brute talk. Uh, I'm excited. I, I mean, it's weird that we just hit it, but who cares? It's it's a fun one. It's look, we've been stuck in this this rut for a little while, and we're just gonna have to keep fighting our way out of it. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure the single digits will have their day in the sun. But uh, but yeah, as of now, sixteen. Conan the Barbarian. All right. 
right. Well, that'll do it for our episode this week on Big Daddy. We'll be doing Conan the Barbarian next week. But for now, thank you so much for listening. Please remember to rate, review, and give us a follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you like to listen. If you want to keep in touch or give us a recommendation, drop us a line at dartboardmovienight at gmail.com. Follow us on Instagram at dartboardmovienight. Artwork for the show is created by Veronica Roman, and all of our music is by Eric Williams. Play us out, Eric. Sorry, Mike. Later. Later.